I saw water pouring out from the temple. I was led through water that was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, then a river over my head, water to swim in. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish, great schools of fish, because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds. The trees on both banks will bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Thank you. Why don't you join with me? Let's welcome the rest of the Kingsgate family from Cambridge, Leicester, London, those of you in Cafe Church as we come to the fifth and final part of our series, Going Deeper Together, our 2019 vision series. Well, I've got an announcement. Spring has finally sprung. All the optimists said aye, all the pessimists said not sure. I want to start by uh, talking about hobbies. I don't think you can remember back to your childhood. I had a number of hobbies. First one, no surprise. I was passionate about all things football, both supporting and playing. I was also into cricket, and I love competitive board games. Anyone been initiated in the pleasure of playing Risk? What, what, what an amazing game that is. This one may surprise you. I was also into philately. It's a posh word for stamp collecting. I think the backdrop was my mum and dad, um, you know, having to try and handle this slightly overactive young boy, thought we've got to find something to help him sit down. So they introduced me to stamp collecting. And so very often uh, you, you could hear me saying, let's go play football or let's go play cricket or let's play risk or occasionally let's do stamps. One thing you'd never have heard me say then or since is let's go fishing. I mean, I don't want to be rude to fishermen and fisherwomen here. I just don't get it. All day long, sitting there, cat, potentially catching nothing. That would be the agony. Um, you know, I think you have to be a slightly more phlegmatic person. Someone like Simon Deke, centre pastor of Cambridge, who loves just to sit and fish on his own all day long. But here's the point. I have actually grown to be passionate about fishing of another kind. Not a hobby, but I believe it's the greatest cause of all, which is to go on a mission with Jesus to help rescue lost men and women who God loves, who are made in his image, and the Holy Spirit has empowered us to go and reach them for Christ. Not catching them out, but seeing them, as it were, embraced and brought home into the glorious family and kingdom of God. That is the greatest call of all. So I unashamedly want to say today, let's go fishing. Um, in Ezekiel 47, we see this fish and fishing metaphor. Um, talks about wherever the river flows, there's going to be great schools of fish. Notice the abundance. And fishermen will stand shoulder to shoulder, casting their nets. The previously dead sea will now teem with fish 
of all kinds like the fish of the great Mediterranean. What a picture of abundance. What a picture of life and healing um, through that beautiful metaphor. Now, if we look ahead and fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus uses a fishing metaphor when it comes to calling the first disciples. He's walking along the lakes of Galilee, and he sees some guys who were literally fishermen, fishermen by trade, and he says this, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and follow him. I read one commentator who said that Matthew is almost using this little kind of two-verse summary as a way of describing for all time what it means to be a disciple. Now, we're not all called to be like full-time apostles like these guys became, but we are all called, if we're Christians, to follow Jesus. Amen. We're called to go, not just have our own lives transformed, but to go and make a difference in other people that they might become followers of Jesus. And in order to do that, we need to wholeheartedly obey Jesus and put him first place in every part of our lives. And so that's what I want to look at as we conclude this vision series. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, there'll be an opportunity for you uh, to respond at the end of this message. But I want to really address the whole of Kingsgate and said, as we're going deeper together, let's obey the greatest call of all. Two things. Firstly, let's go fishing together with Jesus. Can we say that? Let's go fishing together with Jesus. Again, verse 19, let me read it to you again. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people, fishers of men and women. It highlights that fishing, literally going out and making a difference and seeing other people's lives transformed, it's not an optional extra, it's core business for every disciple of Jesus. You see, that's why our whole 2020 inside-out vision is so critical. How many want your life to be transformed? You want to go deeper in knowing God. You want to go deeper in living in freedom. We want to go deeper in growing community, don't we? We want, as it were, God to do something on the inside of us. But it's not enough just for God to do something inside of us. No, if we're really followers of Jesus, we'll let him make us. That means he's going to do something in us and equip us and change us to do what? To go and make a difference in other people's lives. It's not an add-on. It means that just like Jesus called his disciples and he was like a rabbi. Uh, well, he was a rabbi, and he, he was saying to, his, to these guys, come and follow me. Come and imitate my life. Come and, as it were, join on my mission. Can I say that we have the privilege of joining Jesus on his mission, the most important mission, which is basically to rescue lost humanity and b- bring back a lost creation back to the Father to have all things be restored, both now and ultimately in eternity. Amen. That's the greatest cause of all. It undergirds everything, whatever our job or our career or our family status, we are all called to be on this transformation, transformational mission with Jesus. Now, the good news is we don't go into this mission alone. Even Jesus himself didn't go on, on, on his own because you remember Jesus was and is the Son of God, but he was also a man, and so he needed what you and I need, and it's we need a helper, how many know when, you, when, when we talk about changing people around you, whatever, how many are you conscious of your own weakness or your own inadequacy? Yeah? Well, the good news is we don't go in our own strength. We have a mighty helper, and his name is the Holy Spirit. 
You see, if we look back at the Gospels, I know many of you know, know this, but it's important to remind ourselves, Jesus didn't actually enter into his mission and his ministry until he'd been anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Acts 10, 10 verse 38. So Jesus went around preaching. He went around doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. Why? Because God was with him and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. How did Jesus make a difference? He made a difference. Yes, he's the Son of God, but he also made a difference because the Holy Spirit was with him. So that means when you and I go out into the world, we're not trying to change the world in our own strength. We can't. But we're to change people and see lost people saved and sick people healed and um, lonely people find the Savior. How? Because we have the mighty third person of the Trinity with us 24-7. We are never alone. Amen? So that gives us great confidence. And if we think of Ezekiel's river again, and it is a picture of the life-giving river of the Spirit, I love the fact that this river that flows from the throne of God, flows from the temple, goes out, and it brings water in the desert, and it brings miraculous transformation to a dead sea where nothing could live. And here's the point. You may look at people around you, you may look at your community, your place of work, or even your family and think, this looks like desolate spiritually. This looks like no way can anyone get saved. No way could God come. Can I tell you, when the Holy Spirit is at work, when the life-giving river is flowing, there's no such thing as an impossible person or place or situation. With the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And that's why we not only need to pray for a move of the Spirit, but as Jonathan reminds we need to be, if you like, a move of God ourselves. And we need to go and expect that as we go, filled with the Holy Spirit, God is going to, make, is going to do things that we couldn't believe were possible. Come on, let's believe for that in 2019. As we go deeper in the river, we're going to see an increase, not just of our going, but of Holy Spirit activity. Let me give you one example. Um, it's of one of our teachers who um, was working in a school that kind of felt like it was a spiritual desert or like a spiritual dead sea, completely closed to the gospel. At the time, she wasn't aware there were any other Christian teachers there. So about this time last year, she came along to one of our um, three days of prayer and fasting to a prayer army gathering where we were praying for um, our teachers. And along with many others, she was prayed for, anointed with oil, symbolizing the power of the Holy Spirit. And basically, we prayed and almost we said, we're for you, God's anointing afresh. Go back to where you are, um, freshly emboldened and commissioned to go and make a difference. Well, very shortly after then, her head teacher, who is definitely not a Christian, comes to her seemingly out of the blue and said this, as I look around the school... I can just see that these children are lost. I see something in you that could help. It's a pretty dramatic answer to prayer, isn't it? And as a result, um, she was given permission and encouragement to start Christian activities. And also, of the 13 schools that the, the kind of youth mission called Illuminate um, were involved in going into, one of the schools that opened the doors to this mission was her school. And, and we know that in that school and, and in other schools, literally 
young people came, they started handing in self-harming blades, and many, many, for the first time, gave their lives to Jesus. Wherever the river flows, there is life. And not only did um, did it kind of have a sort of a, an immediate kind of impact, but the impact is going on. You see, because when that happens, it brings courage and confidence to our own young people um, to go for it. And I've just got a very short clip of one of our own young people who just have received a new boldness as a result of what God did. Please watch this. So last year um, was the Illuminate gigs. So many kids gave their lives to Jesus. Literally, that, that, the room was flooded with hands. It really inspired me and gave me so much confidence and courage to actually be able to talk about Jesus, to be able to talk about faith, actually knowing that when you open that conversation, when you say that, like so many people just want to hear about it. They just want to know more. Um, and actually, we're seeing kind of the, the result of that weekend still in our schools. It's still being spoken about. Um, and it's literally just transforming the people around us. So let's go out with a new confidence, a new boldness, knowing that we have the life-giving Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, flowing out from us. So we're never alone as we go fishing with Jesus because the Spirit is with us. You know, I know when I go about my neighborhood or into the gym and connect with people, I just expect them that the Holy Spirit is going to, as it were, set things up. He's already working in other people's lives. He loves them. He knows way more about them than I ever could. And, and just it's amazing to see the Holy Spirit work. Go expectant for the Holy Spirit to move. But the good news is not only do we not go alone because we have the Spirit with us, but my, my heading here was deliberately, let's go fishing together. Say together. Let's go fishing together with uh, Jesus. You see... The disciples weren't called just as solitary disciples to just go and walk with Jesus. They were called into a community. If you like, it's great to um, you know, go and do our own mission on our own. There is, we do have a responsibility, but there's something powerful when we do that together. You know, if you think about Ezekiel 47, you know, w- when it talks about the fishermen there, it says they were standing... Shoulder to shoulder, say that with me. Shoulder to shoulder, casting their nets. They were standing shoulder to shoulder. So it's not a picture of like a, um, an ancient version of Simon Deeks on his own with a Yorkshire flat cap <laughs> with rod and line. No, no, these are fishermen, plural, and standing shoulder to shoulder, casting nets because there's a massive catch. There's something powerful about um, coming together as a fishing community. That, that phrase, shoulder to shoulder, reminded me of um, the, the second national anthem that the Irish sing at the, um, at the Six Nations rugby. How many enjoying the rugby? If you're not into football, I love it when England win and not when they lose, but anyway. But, but just watching um, England-Ireland uh, a few weeks ago, just seeing again, you have these great big burly rugby players standing shoulder to shoulder, singing at the top of their voices with tens of thousands of passionate Irish men and women. Do you like me to sing the song in an Irish accent? Yes. No. <laughs> it's kind of sh- shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> 
together we will stand, this is what they, is what they sing. And I just think it's a beautiful picture of, you know, they're passionate. They're singing at the top of their voices. There, we're in this together. We're going to win, except they lost. <laughs> you know, how much more, yeah, and that's just for a rugby match. How much more can we get passionate about fishing together, going on a mission together with the greatest cause on planet Earth? As the church of Jesus Christ, together in community. But I, I love that the picture that we get from these examples is just the camaraderie, the sense of we're in this together, the sense of I'm sure the fun they have before and after, the sense of playing together for the whole team. And I just want to remind us that our 2019 vi vision is this, going deeper together. There's something about God is speaking to us about almost like turning the the heat up on the togetherness. You know, thank God for the unity and community we enjoy all across Kingsgate in all our centers. But I believe 2019 is about an increase of that. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about this new series coming up in a fortnight's time on um, Love Is. But we, we just believe that God is doing a deeper work of togetherness. And the great thing is, when we have a stronger sense of being connected together relationally, we then can go out as, if you like, a fishing community. You know, Jesus went out with his disciples. When he sent them out without him, he sent them out not on their own, but what? Two by two. So let me encourage you, as well as this year, doing our, if you like, our own individual mission. Let's take every opportunity we can to go fishing together. You know, I know that in, P in our Peterborough Center, we've seen a growing um, maximizing of opportunities like Easter, going out and blessing communities with massive Easter egg hunts, and not just giving away Easter egg hunts, but in, in, uh, Easter eggs, but, it, but you know, telling people the good news about Jesus, giving opportunity to come to Easter services. And I know it's happening in the center of Cambridge this time, uh, through Kingsgate Cambridge this year, which is fantastic. But let's use that and other opportunities through the year. Let's go together. I mean, it's great going on your own, but there's something about the togetherness um, that, that is very powerful. And as we go with the Spirit and with one another, we can demonstrate the love of God as we've been hearing in the last couple of weeks with good works. We can be open to the Lord in healing. How many know it's a river of healing? But also, let's take opportunities to share the good news, tell our story and his story as we go. And then, let's take opportunities, as well as blessing people out there, to bring them home. You know there's something powerful about making the most of every opportunity to invite people to church. Sunday by Sunday, we hear amazing stories of people for the first time come and they experience the presence of Jesus and it sets them on a whole new course that changes their life for eternity. It happened to me, as most of you know, over 35 years ago. That's why I'm absolutely passionate about let's bring people to services. Not just specials, Mother's Day, Easter, Christmas, Father's Day, but Sunday by Sunday, Alpha by Alpha. Let's go deeper. Uh, let's, let's be bolder in bringing people to church. Uh, why? Because we hear testimonies all the time that it's the start of someone's journey. I've just got one story here I want to play out. This was what happened when somebody was brought to church. Please watch this. Okay, 2018 has been an absolutely amazing year for me. 2017 November time my life would, had become a complete mess I didn't know which way I was going I was having problems at home my, my father was ill 
I'd lost contact with my son. And then a friend invited me to come to the Christmas service in 2017. Not very good with crowds, but as soon as I walked through that door, I felt as though somebody had put their arms around me and just said, welcome home. The service was unbelievably powerful. So January, I started coming. I haven't looked back. I started the Alpha course. I was baptised in September. And I feel as though I've come home. I feel as though I've loved and I feel as though everything that's gone wrong in my past, I've been forgiven about. My life is still topsy-turvy. I've still got a long, long way to come. But I know with Jesus by my side, I'm going to make it. I know that no mountain is going to be too tall or too too high because he's there by my side. And I know that this dull light that I have in my life at the minute is going to be brighter because every day it gets brighter. I can talk to him. It doesn't matter where I am. He listens and I actually feel his presence. Alpha Day for me was amazing. I felt the Holy Spirit in me, and it's hard to explain, but this warm feeling engulfed me, and I just couldn't stop shaking. I just could not stop shaking, and I couldn't stop smiling, I couldn't stop crying, and I've not looked back. I've met some amazing people here that are walking with me on my journey, and we're going through tough times together. And that is the power of God. He's brought us all together in this home. And it's just amazing. Just amazing. Amen. That's what it's all about. So in 2019, let's more than ever, let's go fishing together. Let's go and bless people and bring people home. But the second aspect of the greatest call of all, and central to the verses we've seen in Matthew 4. Yes, we have to go fishing together with Jesus, but secondly, we need to, and this is the second exhortation, let's go, (laughs) let's give our all, can we say that, let's give our all to follow Jesus. You see, it says here, the disciples, in Matthew 4 verse 20, At once, they left their nets and followed him. Notice here, it's a radical, it's an immediate, and it's a wholehearted response to the call of Jesus. You see, there's only one kind of true disciple of Jesus, and it's all in. Not perfect, not arrived, for those of us who were around in the autumn of last year. Do you remember Peter? Well, he's, he's one of these... The two disciples who respond. This is talking about Peter. How many know that Peter hadn't arrived? He had some ups and downs, but he was all in. He was there from the start. He'd committed his, his whole to Jesus. I remember years ago, um, one of the, the first mentors, spiritual mentors I had, wrote a book called In With Both Feet. It, and it was a book actually written to young people, but the, the point he made was that it's really hard to try and be a Christian and have a foot in both camps. So, you, you know, you keep one foot sort of holding on to your life and to the world, and then you hear the call of Jesus, and you think, well, I'll keep my options open. So, 
you know, you come to a meeting like this and you, you feel a pull there and then you go back and you feel the pull of the flesh. And, and, and his point was, you can end up doing yourself some, I'm not going to go any further, <laughs> some serious damage. And it's not, there's no, there's no way to live. It's a horrible place to live. It's horrible living in, feet in both camps. No, to be a disciple of Jesus, you know, to be in feet in both camp, camps, you'll be miserable. Jesus doesn't want you miserable, he wants you free. <laughs> And, you know, you don't want to be half in darkness and half in light. We want to be fully in the kingdom of light, knowing that we're still on a journey and Jesus got more. But we're saying, Jesus, I'm all in. And that's what these disciples were doing. Now, in their case, it meant they, they literally gave up their career in fishing to become full-time. And eventually, as we'll see, they became apostles. Of Jesus. Not all of us are called to give up our career. In fact, most people are called to be kingdom ambassadors where they are. But the point is, whether we're in that scenario or for most of us still in a, in a, in a vocation, in a, some kind of school or business or whatever, the fact of the matter is the all-in applies to all of us. To be a Christian... One definition I heard years ago was to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Fully devoted follower of Jesus. I love the fact that, that there's an immediacy, there's an all-in. Uh, now, now the nets here were literally, they left their nets. This was their business, this was their livelihood. But I think it's also wider than that. You know, it's the sense that from now on Jesus, now that I'm your follower... I trust you to be in charge of my life. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that one. <laughs> I, I trust you with my time. I trust you with my talents. I trust you with my family and my, my future. Because here's what I've worked out. <laughs> Trying to do my, my life my way does not go as well as when Jesus is in charge. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> he's a lot smarter. He's a lot more loving. He's... A, he's <laughs> He, he's, he's sovereign. He, know, he knows what's best. And so sometimes it can be scary and we think, oh, dear, you know, because we like to hold on to, to our lives, don't we? We like to be in control. But to be a Christian means full surrender to Jesus. It means I'm all in. And one of the aspects that Jesus said is often hardest for us to, to surrender to him, and in fact, by the volume of his teaching and by his direct words, the number one rival to loving him and loving God is actually a love of material possessions and money and putting our security here. So when it says they left their nets, it's kind of some symbolic of all of us, not that we necessarily have to give everything away, but we acknowledge that everything that comes from us is ultimately yours, Lord, and therefore we want to just live free, good stewards, holding on to things lightly, being open to give generously because it's the best way to live. And by the way, you say, whoa, that sounds pretty scary. If Jesus is in charge and you're following him, I want to tell you it's the safest place to be both now and for all eternity. You know, there was a guy later on in the Gospels who, Jesus, uh, Peter's watching him and this guy called the rich young ruler. And he won't follow Jesus because he wants to hold on to his money. And Peter says, hey, Jesus, we left everything, referring back to this incident. And, and, and Jesus says to Peter, don't you worry about that, Peter. You know, everybody who's left everything to follow me will get a hundredfold in this life and in the age to come eternal, eternal life. How I many that's not a bad deal. But it is an issue of trust. Say trust. And it hits right to the core of who we are. So as we think about this thing of wholeheartedly following Jesus, giving our all to Jesus, and surrendering, resurrendering our lives to Jesus. 
Let's use the opportunity of the giving day next week as an opportunity to make sure that Jesus is first. You see, we sing that song, don't we? You have no rival, you have no equal. But I don't just want to be singing that. I want to make sure that Jesus has no rival or no equal in my life. And if the love of money and possessions and our material security is one of the things that can be the last thing to re-surrender to Jesus, let's, let's use this next week, not just thinking about money, but using the very practical stuff of what we have as, as a way of saying, Lord, I don't want anything on the throne of my heart, so I'm going to use the opportunity to seek you as a reminder that I'm first and foremost to follow you. I've stopped following myself or the world. I am now all in, both feet into your kingdom. And so, Lord, thank you for all you've given me. I resurrender it to you. What do you want me to do? It's the attitude of a, a surrendered worshiper. You know, I'm so blessed to hear stories of how Kingsgate members are putting Jesus first in this area. Just recently, I had two testimonies of one family, you know, really with not a lot of um, slack, you know, struggling financially, the other with a little bit more. The f first one of the, the family who was struggling, you know, the, the husband just said, in the midst of their challenges, he said, and these were his words, we continue to tithe hard. In other words, they weren't going to back down from putting God first in returning the tithe to him. And then they sought God and he gave them a specific figure as to what to give in the special offering. And it, at the time, it was a major step of faith. But literally, the email is like two pages long of some absolutely outstanding stories of how God provided for them in, in amazing ways. Things like a charity that they didn't even know exists suddenly decide they, that they, they, they want to give them some money. I mean, amazing, amazing stories of how God provided. They weren't giving to get, they were giving because they loved God and they wanted to bless others and they wanted to be a worshiper. And guess what? When you live like that, God is going to resupply. Amen? God is going to resupply. <laughs> the, the, the other story was of a couple who, who did have a little bit more uh, disposable income, and I literally sent this in a, a few days ago. This is a, their story. Beginning of last year, I felt the Lord say to us to increase our monthly giving by 1% a year. We were obedient and thought that was that. Then within two months approaching giving day, I felt the Lord asked us as a family to aim towards our giving matching our mortgage. This felt like a big step for us and something that would take a few years to achieve bit by bit, since our giving matching our mortgage would have required us to nearly double our tithe. However, approaching giving day, I did the sums, calculated the shortfall annually between our giving and our monthly mortgage payments, and in faith gave the difference out of our savings. I felt, and I love this attitude, I felt hugely grateful to God that we'd been in a position to do this so quickly. And once again expecting that to be that. Later that summer, as a result of some inheritance money, we then found ourselves able to sow a one-off offering that matched our annual mortgage payments in one go. I sense God reminding us that obedience in giving is an amazing adventure of trusting him and that he loves to show himself faithful in this area. Isn't that a great story? A story again of... Now, now both, both those examples, neither of them had a giving-to-get mentality. That is not what the Bible teaches us. 
Rather, it's a desire to follow Jesus, to put him first, to, to surrender their all, and basically to be obedient to Jesus, to act as worshippers. But in ge- giving generously, they were resupplied. Why? Because we've got an all-sufficient, all-generous God, who if you were here a few weeks ago, remember, we have this promise. It says, and my God will do what? Supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So, in preparation for next weekend, take time out. Thank God for all that he's entrusted to you. And why not then use this? I'd encourage you, spend some time to use this financial giving moment as an opportunity to resurrender your whole life to him. Use this as a consecration week. And say, Lord, it all comes from you. And then just resurrender, listen to what the Lord says, and just do what he tells you to do. Please don't think, well, my part is insignificant. I've got very little to give. The Bible doesn't teach equal gifts. It teaches equal sacrifice. I want to tell you, all of us have a part to play. And, you know, next week, we're not going to be teaching about giving. It's going to be about worship and about loving God and obeying him. We're going to have a fantastic time of celebrating, a kind of like a holy, a holy moment as we come and we give and we, we thank God, we take communion together. Let's all come with prepared hearts. I mean, we believe not in pressured giving, but prepared giving because we want to honor God from the bottom of our heart. And the good news is, as we do what God tells us to do, see, some of you only be able to give a little. Some of you do have resource to give a lot. Some of you, God, God may speak to you about increasing the percentage of your regular giving. Others of you may be able to give an extravagant in terms of a large sum into the special offering. But I want to tell you, as we all play our part, all the needs will be met, and we're going to experience a greater open heaven over our lives and over Kingsgate in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? And as we give, we can invest beyond ourselves. As we go on mission, we're directly impacting people where they are. I love that. You see, you and I are called to go fishing together. We can directly impact people through our life and witness. But you know, there's people's lives are being changed in all of our centers, in all different ministries, student ministries, youth ministries, children, grand adults, Leicester, London, Cambridge, Peterborough, and beyond Kingsgate. But you know, every time we give of our tithes and offerings into the storehouse, even though we may not be able to directly impact them, we can say we're partnering together to see lives changed for all eternity. Amen. So let's take this moment as we get ready to close out this vision series. We look ahead to the rest of 2019. Let's all of us think about what would a next step look like as I choose to give my all to Jesus and as I choose to go on mission with Jesus. What's going to happen? We're going to see multitudes of men and women, young people and old, all different nationalities, all different backgrounds come to Christ in increasing measure, and all the glory goes to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for the amazing privilege we have. You've come to transform our lives, and you've come to give us your spirit, and one another, so we can go on mission to see many other people's lives be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.